0: Well, what I've said in the last two weeks has caused something of a stir around the nation, Um, but it's a good stir. Um, Only one person, I think, was upset, and um, that's pretty good. And um, I I trust that you're seeing and understanding um, in a fresh and new way What it means that Jesus died for us. That phrase so many times is used without really understanding. But I want to have a a third message in that series. So you've got the two. I'm assuming that you've heard the two. I'm not going to go into that again in great detail, but arising out of those last two hours um, is this morning. Okay. And I want to. Give you a text. I'm not really speaking directly from it, but on the other hand, I am. Um, Acts 26 and verse 18. It says the the mandate that was given by the living ascended Jesus to Paul was you are to go and open their eyes. That's probably the most important phrase you'll ever hear. In understanding this Christian life, to open their eyes so that, so the opening of the eyes is previous to something happening. Open their eyes and then something's gonna happen. They may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. And that will result in order that they may receive. The word there is better translated as take as their own. That's very important. Receive is very passive, but it's an aggressive word there. It means to take something that belongs to you. Forgiveness, and we've already seen the better word there, is release from sins. And to receive, take the inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Okay. What we have seen, and I'll say this much, um, we've seen that love, the love of God, the more we look at that love, the more incredible it all becomes. We, we think we, we've seen the love of God when we realize he likes us, but when we look at the love of God that began before time, And we're not looking at a quick fix for Adam's sin. We're not really talking directly about sin. It all goes back to the beginning and the beginning before the beginning. The the scripture plainly says that there was the purpose of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. It goes back to why are we here? Why are you sitting there today? Why is there a world? Why is we? And it goes back to the purpose. We didn't happen by accident. We weren't just the the evolution of God started something and just let it roll itself out. It, It says there is purpose. Purpose. There was a intention. He created us in order that we we should be included into the Holy Trinity family. If you can swallow that, that, that we were created, not like apes or um, amphibians, we, we were created to actually participate to be sons, daughters in the Holy Trinity family. The Father loved you before you were born, And he's willed to include you into his family. And God, the son, is the one who it's through him the creation came into being. And he therefore related to us from the very beginning as creator, that he was the one designated then to come get us. When we had fallen into the great darkness, he is the one who created us, who owns us, and we are his inheritance. He comes to get us. And, and that's, uh, that one phrase could take us hours and hours and hours. He came to get us. The fact is that God, God the Son, sent by the Father who loved us, sends the Son who loves us, to go where God has never gone talk about a change in 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 the Holy Trinity that this is something that God had never done before God became human in Jesus he utterly, absolutely joined the human family I read somewhere the other day that the incarnation was God came among us disguised as a human he wasn't disguised this isn't a halloween dress he, he didn't put on the appearance of a human and, and then at the ascension say well i'm gonna take it off again no he became us and he will always be one of us god became one of us without ceasing to be god and he didn't come among us looking like god it says the, the word became flesh which is always the nasty word of the New Testament. It describes human in our brokenness, in our darkness. And then 2 Corinthians 5 goes beyond speaking of the cross. He became our sin. He took all of everything of our rebellion, our darkness, our brokenness, our grief, our sorrow, And he didn't just bear it like a burden on his shoulders, he embraced it, and so Paul uses the word he became sin. And what sin resulted in in our lives, the curse. In Galatians, it says he became the curse. Do you get what I'm saying? That this isn't just the visit of a celestial visitor, he joins with us. He becomes it. And in that sense, he forged a relationship with us, an unbreakable relationship, that he forged it at our worst. He, he didn't forge it when we were doing our best. <clears throat> he forged that relationship, as we've seen in the last two hours, when we were at our worst, the most hateful, the most broken, the blindest, the deafest we could ever be when we, we take our God and crucify him. And he takes, he takes it. It's that, that word, um, that aggressive word. He took it, our sin, our curse. And, and of course, you can't separate the Trinity. <clears throat> so where Jesus is the Father and the Spirit are, And so the father was there, not as the great punisher, that's near blasphemy. The father was there holding up his son, loving his son as his son goes through this. And he was going through it in order to fulfill that original purpose of bringing us into the Holy Trinity family. And so the father is with the son in the terrifying darkness of Hades as was the spirit giving him the strength to go through. And it was there. And that is what we've been emphasizing, so I'm not gonna do it again this morning, but it was there that he is our salvation. Do you see what I just said? I'm not saying simply that he saved us. That, That would be wonderful. But I'm saying he is the salvation. He's not over here doing something for us. He is the doing something. He is it. He takes us in. He is the one that becomes us. And he is, as us, going to go into death. And he is going to carry us to the Holy Trinity family. Um, that, that's, that's, that's it. Um, he, he's there. And he it's there in that unspeakable darkness and hate that we had towards him that he saved us. He embraced us in the corruption of our sin. And then in the resurrection, he took mankind where mankind had never been. Can can you get it? He is God coming where God had never been in order to lay hold of us and carry us to where mankind had never been carries us to the union embrace of the father and so we're co-crucified when he died we died when he rose we actually rose when when he was exalted to the right hand of the father and the face to face with the father the love the delight of the father we're there right in the middle of that that's the good news the good news And uh, good news is not that your sins are forgiven and you won't go to hell. Uh, That is pathetic news. The good news goes, I say, beyond Adam's sin to the beginning of the beginning. The good news is that God, the Son, became human. Now, what does that do to the human? (laughs) If God becomes human, what does that do to the human? It means now that human is united to God and is exalted to participate in the life of deity. This is the news that every human, every human, because God has joined us and joined us for good, joined us in love, every human is no longer locked into Adam. We're no longer joined into the genealogy of Adam. We're no longer heirs of his darkness. It means that we now participate in the life of the God-man, Jesus. Participate in history. We are, in fact, the new creation. It originates in Jesus. Okay, that's two hours I've just given you. Now what, what? that's the finished work. It's accomplished. It's not something he did for us that now needs your help to complete. He is the finishness. He is the done. He did it. You can't add to that. You cannot add anything to that. You cannot improve on that. It is done. Okay. Now think about this, that does not mean, or should I say we mustn't think that this means that automatically all of mankind suddenly poof, suddenly mankind believes that suddenly he thinks with the mind of Christ. And from then on, he lives like a member of the Trinity family, because that's not so. We must never think, please, this is so important. You must never think that when I say it's done, it's finished, I, I don't mean it's done and finished without our knowledge or our participation being involved at all? Do, do you understand me? Some people accuse me and others of being a universalist no that that what I've just said is what a universalist believes that that God did something, and well, you're just a robot, you say you're just a robot, and your program has been updated and, and you you know nothing about it it 's just the will of the inventor and off you go now, everything's changed. No, no, What? look, come on, we're not robots. What I said the beginning intention is, is the ultimate relationship. And relationship, you know what relationship is, it means that a, a fire begins to burn in you towards someone else, and you know that it's being met by their fire. And and a relationship happens. We're not robots that God says, poof. Now, suddenly the darkness is gone and you're free from sin and you're one of mine, but I I didn't need to tell you, you'll just get to heaven when you die. No, no, no. This is a relationship. And this was done and finished in Jesus. But he now, in this time, In 2020, in this time, that Jesus, who is our life and is our salvation, he meets us today, now, inside our humanity, inside our darkness, inside, we don't know, our ignorance. He meets us in the Holy Spirit. And there, now, to each one of us, He reveals to us how we were one with him and are one with him. He reveals to us his love to us. It's so personal. It's so each. So that the way you have discovered that the way the Holy Spirit shone into your heart is totally other than the way it was for me. Look, I go out there and the Texas sun is shining. (laughs) Do you know what? Sometimes I believe it's shining just for me. Because I talk about me being hot and I talk about me being sometimes blinded by the sun. And I I talk about me feeling the sunburn. I, I almost forget that everybody else in the Western Hemisphere is feeling the same sun do you understand here is jesus and some people i'd say your jesus is too small he's just a i don't know what an historical figure who did something for you sort of but no he is and he's creator but he's also upholder of all things and at the same time our salvation and he's here and he's now and he comes to you and he says you were included i carried you through death But now it's eyeball to eyeball, now it's face to face. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. Um, I I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I say it again, this is not an automatic zap. This isn't God whacking you around the head and saying, by the way, I included you. No, this is the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, I meet with the living Jesus and I can say he loved me and he gave himself for me and my life. You see, when he took up residence in our darkness, when he went into Hades itself, have you ever thought he never left? Um... (laughs) I'm sorry, Hades, but he's got the keys. It's his house now. He has entered the darkness, and that's where he continues to meet us and continues now to open our eyes and bring us to light. It was done and finished, so that he just might open your eyes to see. But he had to open your eyes, otherwise you would just be part of a blob of people no he loves you individually uniquely he loves you in a way that's different to everybody else It's as different as your personality and he comes to you in the holy spirit because you see i'm blind and the bible says i'm in the sleep of death but i'm blind And I'm asleep in that death, in the arms of my salvation. He took me and he's holding me while I'm blind. And while I'm I'm experiencing the darkness, he's holding me and loving me. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't get it. In fact, I don't have an inkling as to where I am now. I'm in the dark. And when I hear bits of this, it gets through, and I'm horrified by it. I mean, for sure. They tell me that he did all of this for me, as me, and I have no part to play. I, I, in my darkness, I rise up. I say, it's a jolly insult. I want to have a part to play. And, and I'm fighting, but I'm fighting like a little child in the arms of him who loves me because he's got me. It's done. It's finished. He is my salvation. But everyone that's listening to me went through some sort of kicking against that. We didn't see it. We didn't get it. We were blind to it. Do you remember when the father, in the parable, um, the prodigal son, well, after the prodigal son, he, do you remember, he goes out to the elder brother? Now, I've got to be careful. I'm liable to zoom off on elder brother, but just, just quickly. Do you remember the elder brother was outside on the porch? It was dark. And he he was raging in his own inner darkness out on the porch. The father came out to him and joined him in the darkness of the porch, as opposed to bright lights of the feast where the father came from. And and, and the son rages against his father. And, And... it, his rage was because he had seen what the father had done to the younger brother. And, and, and as he rages, he, he, he says, that cannot be. I'm paraphrasing now, but he, he was saying that can't be until you recognize that I have earned my acceptance. I am worthy of it, of the honor and the recognition And I will not be content with just being recognized. It's got to be over against that younger brother being punished because he's not as good as me. So you've got to honor me because I've earned it. And publicly, you've got to throw that kid into his own hell to punish him. I won't enjoy my heaven with you until he's in hell. You see, there was no thought of a relationship whatsoever. That's where he lived in his darkness. The father came into that darkness, and do you remember what he said? He said, my dear little boy, I thought there would be an explosion, anger. How dare you speak to me like that? You've offended my... Oh, yeah. No, that's not God. That's the way humans think. God came into that darkness and he said, my dear little boy. And then he said to that character who was in such darkness, he said, all that I have is yours. And I am always with you. I was raised to believe that didn't happen until after you got out of the darkness. No, Jesus showed us in that incredible story. The father comes into our darkness and he looks into our blind eyes and he says, oh, my dear child, (laughs) there's nothing to talk about. You are my dear child and everything I have is yours and I'll never leave you or forsake you. He just spoke truth. I don't know if that helps you understand that. But every one of us here, whether we understand it or not, every one of us here have experienced that. When we were at our worst, he came to us to announce to us, I've got this, I've handled it, it's done, it's finished. All that I have is yours, and you are my dearly beloved. I hope that makes sense. You see, left to myself, I can't see it. I mean, I can't. Um, It's happening in front of my eyes. I mean, everybody here, do you realize? Well, of course you do. Um, Right in front of your eyes. In fact, right within yourself. Is the fullness of the kingdom of God. And that's true of the whole world, but they don't see it. They're they're blind, can't imagine it. They live in the illusion of what's happening in the darkness behind their closed eyes. Only He accomplished what He accomplished, and only He brings it to us, to give it to us, give it into us. If, if some of you are having a problem with this, and I know where you're coming from, but let me just put it like this. He didn't do something for us. That, that's, the, that's the big issue. Jesus didn't do something for us in the darkness and say, well, that's the most I can do, the rest is up to you. You've now got to try and believe it. And 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 also while you do, you've got to try and feel very sorry for your sin. And if you can accomplish that, if you can believe it, and if you can feel sorry enough for your sin, well, I you'll, you'll get out. And when you get out, you'll thank me for the bit I did. Does that make sense? That Jesus didn't do something that now he throws the ball over to us and says, now you've got to try and do the rest. You've got to try and believe enough to get out. No. My, my, my rebellion, my rejection, is in the very presence of my salvation, who is Jesus. Jesus. And he comes to me and tells me it's mine. Let me put it like this: for many believers, when they say the finished work of Christ, to them it comes to an end at various points, depending who you talk to. For many people, when Jesus died, that's that's the finished work of Christ. No. Well, some others say, well, it was when he rose again. No. Have you ever heard of the ascension of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus? Do you know what happened on earth when Jesus is exalted in the heavens? The Holy Spirit was given. And unfortunately, In our Western world, in this 21st century, the Holy Spirit, even among those who really give him place, but they believe that somehow the Holy Spirit is the icing on the cake. You know, the cake is very good, apart from the icing even, but if you'd like the icing, it's even better. He's the add-on extra. It's as if, while Jesus did his finished work, that's over and done. And, and for many people it ended with the resurrection. They don't even think about the ascension. Um, but it's over and done. Now, now what's next? Oh, what's next? We, we've got the Holy Spirit coming. Um, no. I, I don't know if that's the case. Seriously. If that is the case, that the Holy Spirit is something separate, just the 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 fun part of what Christians can have, um, that's a case. I don't know, I don't know what we. It means that we're left with our own will, weak, pathetic as it is, with our brain power, which limits it severely, to accomplish the impossible. Jesus did something. Then he left. Now, what do we do? Well, you've got to believe that. You've got to try hard. And you've got to, uh, you're, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. Keep on saying it. You're a sinner, because that will please God if he knows you found that out. And do you realize what I've just described is where we have that hopeless and boring religion, All you do is go and camp out at an historical event and try and believe it's true. And and try then to live a moral life to prove that something happened. They talk about Jesus as waiting for us to make the next move, which is the most important one. He did what he did. But now... Now we have our evangelistic services because the most important thing is that you try and believe it. So then it wasn't finished, was it? It was only thrown out there as a possible. Maybe, perhaps, if you believed it. So it becomes our effort to find the faith, to believe in an historical event and try and believe that it's happening in me today. And some people might get very upset when I say that, but just drop by any of our churches today and you'll understand why tens of thousands are leaving them. Because all it is is service after service after service of trying to do that next thing gotta try and believe come on walk forward one more time put up your hand one more time say this prayer after me one more time because this is where it's at but obviously you didn't do it right last time you weren't sorry enough you didn't believe enough so try again i went to jamaica for meetings and and i asked the pastor what's the spiritual condition here and with with great pride i mean the chap beamed at me and he said everybody in jamaica has been saved at least a hundred times um there you have it at least and probably another hundred when because it's all up to us no you see the finished work of jesus in his exaltation the finishedness of the finishedness was the holy spirit was given the holy spirit it's what Jesus said in John chapter 7. He said, the Holy Spirit has not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Holy Spirit is tied into to his finishedness. When he was exalted as our salvation on earth, the Holy Spirit says, okay, let's go. I'm going to open your eyes. I'm going to show you what's yours. And we are going to enter into the experience. You are going to become who you are. Discover yourself. And so the Holy Spirit comes and opens our eyes that we might know the Father and know the Son, our Savior, and know ourselves as they know me, you. And notice, (laughs) this is going to get me into trouble. But the scripture says, concerning the coming of the spirit on the day of Pentecost, he quotes Joel. Do you remember Peter quoted Joel? And he says, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. He didn't say he would pour it out on the elite of believers who have got their life to act together. He said, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh because all flesh was included. So all flesh now must have the personal attention of the Holy Spirit to open their eyes, to see who we truly are, that we might become who we are. He brings us, the Holy Spirit brings us to know the love of the Father. To know the Holy Trinity is our home, our real life. We we are redeemed to our original blueprint. We're back there where Father intended. Now the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus said that. He is our guide into truth and he confronts us with beautiful love who we really are. So the Holy Spirit is the key to our connection, to knowing Jesus, not as a figure of history, though he was a figure of history, but he is also here and now our life. So I'm sorry, I know that I'm saying things in these three weeks that's stirring a lot of people in many ways. But the Holy Spirit is not the add-on. He's not that something that happens to Pentecostals and Charismatics and Assemblers of God, you know. And, you know, I come from an Assembly of God background. I'm not knocking you thank you for introducing the holy spirit to the 20th century and into the 21st i'm not knocking you but don't don't look at the holy spirit as the add-on he's not just for some elite he he is the finale of the finished work he's When all the bands come out and the drums are rolling and the trumpets are blasting and saying, it's real, it's really me. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the master of ceremonies. he's, He's the announcer. It's done. But he's announcing to you personally. He's telling you it's finished. And he's saying you are included. And he puts inside of us an unearthly assurance. It is so. By the way, when we speak of revelation, um, the word revelation, um, the Holy Spirit reveals something to us. Don't expect that he's coming to say, boy, you've done a good job, and and you've you've almost got it right, but I've just got to tweak a few bits here and there. No. When he opens our eyes, it's shocking. (laughs) I'm serious. When he opens our eyes, we step into new birth. We step into resurrection, into a new world. And we realize the world that we thought we had it pretty much together, we realize was built on sand and and we can't live there anymore. And we're now in process of becoming what we've never dreamt we were because that's who we are in Christ Jesus. No, it can be, um, well, I was going to say upsetting. I suppose that's a good enough word. It can be devastating to some people <clears throat> when they realize their life was changed in the finished work of Christ, and now the Holy Spirit is applying that. And piece by piece by piece, my life is being changed. Um But I've got to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is not shocked by you Um, or me. (laughs) I can speak about me more than you. Um, He knows us as we really are. You see, he was the one that was with Jesus when he went through the terrifying darkness and faced us as we really were. The Holy Spirit these are pathetic words I'm using, but he's used to us. His love is used to us. Um, When people talk about holiness, because they don't know what the word means, but then when they talk about it, it reminds me of coming from England and anyone that knows about English literature, you know, those... Old ladies—well, they weren't old; they were young, but uh, old in in terms of history. Um, and, and when anybody said a bad word, they'd faint. Do you remember that? And they had to get smelling salts and fan them, and because somebody said something bad, and they couldn't handle it, they, they faint. Um, and, and that's the image that came. Um, to be a, a, a good breeding, you were a good lady, you were having a good family because of the very mention of evil or anything bad or dirty. Oh, I faint. Um, and and you, you become the other center of attention. And really people think God's like that. That when you, when you look at your behavior, you think God's fainting. He can't handle this. The Holy Spirit is really a Victorian maiden. And every time you do that, oh, she faints. And she's terrified of you. She's upset with you. She's shocked with you. She's scandalized with you. No, no. Holy Spirit knows you. You can't shock him. He's been inside the darkness of the darkness where we're even afraid to look. He's been there and said, I love you. He's been there when Jesus said it's finished and the Holy Spirit joined in the delight. You can't shock him. So stop being afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's not mad with you. The Father has never been mad with you either. They love you and they look at you and they see blind, blind. You don't punish someone for being blind. No, it's, he comes He's acquainted with us and he loves us and everything that 1 Corinthians 13 says of love agape love it is true he's patient he's kind he's gentle keeps no record of wrongs puts his arm around us when we're acting like idiots did you understand the fruit of the spirit is not necessarily what happens in us. The fruit of the spirit is the way the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kind, gentle. Does that shock you Holy Spirit, and he never forces himself on us. Why would he? He's got time on his side <laughs> he 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 never forces us, beats us along the road we don't want to go. You see, you would not find in the scripture what is used by so many when they say, well, it's the will of God. Uh, No such thing. No such thing in the way that you're talking. See, The people who say that, their image of God is a taskmaster. He's more like the principal of my school than a father. This is the will of God. You've got to do it. And no, he never gay crashes our lives. He's always, he's so good. Doesn't bully us with fear. That's an interesting thing. The, the You see, if you think that you've got to complete this work by an appropriate kind of faith, an appropriate kind of sorrow, um, well those who are trying to get you to do that, they use fear. Um, you know, the, the major thing, you go to an evangelistic meeting and and, and have you heard, you know, if you lead this meeting tonight and you get run over by a bus will you spend eternity. That that's really, you know, that makes me want to be a Christian. Um That is, if Christianity is all about being terrified of God and terrified of the future, that's a jolly good way in. But you've noticed that if you come in based on fear, then you've got to be sustained by fear. And that's why most churches of this ilk are just places of religious anxiety. Because I've got to keep on... In fact, i met people, you know, they said, I have to keep a state of fear so that I don't backslide. How tragic. Punishment is the bully tactic to get a decision. Holy Spirit has nothing to do with that. How could patience and kindness and gentleness and love that joined us in the pit of darkness, how on earth could he use fear? Perfect love casts out all fear. He doesn't terrify us into awakening to who we are. When we make our choices and our desires, he takes us very seriously. He allows us to go down dead end roads. He knows they lead nowhere, but you've got to find that out for yourself. And he loves you all the way. You say, I backslid, don't be daft. He came with you. because it's important, it was an important part of your growth to find out. There's absolutely nothing down there. He loves you. Can we ever handle that? The Holy Spirit uses every mistake we make to bring us closer to seeing who we really are. And that, of course, is the real meaning of repentance. I've told you that many times, metanoia, it means the exchange of mind. He's exchanging what we thought was truth, and he's gradually changing. Showing sure, no, 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 truth came in Jesus Christ. He gently leads the sheep. Gently, you know, when you're coming out of your darkness, darkness is full of terrifying nightmares, and, and we look, and of course, what we're being taught, God's mad with us. How could the Holy Spirit gently sits with us? No, we just sit here until you're ready to take the next step. Just get used to the idea you're loved. Get used to the idea your sin has been carried away by the Lamb of God. Get used to the idea you're in Father's family and he loves you. I will never forget, and forgive me because I've told this story before, but it made such an impression on me I will never forget it because it happened way back, way back, decades ago. But, but a pastor and his wife adopted this child that had been so brutally abused uh, from babyhood. And he was just a little toddler when they took him. But he'd been treated as a dog and had never been treated as a human being and, and beaten and, or the rest of it. When they got him, he would crawl around on all fours. He would want to eat out of a dog bowl. Um, He could only grunt and make noises like a dog. I could still weep at the remembrance. And that couple loved that child. And they continually treated that poor abused child like he was they treated him like a full beloved human being that had a place in their home they never addressed what he was doing as something to be horrified at they just loved him and kept treating him as if he were a normal toddler and kept talking to him as if he were the beloved member of the household And gradually, the day came when he came and sat on a chair. The day came when he ate from a plate on the table. The day came when he received the hugs and loves of the parent. That child went on to be a student in MIT. Uh, You would never believe. How did that happen? Because somebody just kept loving that child that didn't even look or act like a human being and said, but you are a human being and you are loved and you are a child in this family and we'll keep telling you that and loving with action. And gradually, I could use the term, the kid's eyes were opened and he saw who he really was. It's the Holy Spirit who makes us at home with Father The Holy Spirit teaches us how life is in the Holy Trinity family. Or you could say the Holy Spirit is our coach, teaching us how to live loved, to settle us into the temple where he is the light and the life. Some of you have been with us a long time, might remember Clint, who used to work with me about 10 years ago. Um, he went and um, began working with um, CPS. And I saw him the other day. He said it was, he now has a degree in human suffering, um, working with Child Protective Services. And part of his job was to go into homes that had adopted children, but the children couldn't believe that these parents were not going to beat them. And so at the approach of the father, the children or child would hide and, and cry, waiting for the blows. Of course, it never came. And Clint told me how he has to sit down with the child and re-educate the child and say, this man is not going to hurt you. This man loves you. This man just wants to hold you. And then he takes the child around the house and says, now this is your bedroom and no one's going to come into it. And and this, this is, and, and so on. And, and as Clint was talking, he, he told me, he said, that's when I remembered what, what the Holy Spirit is the one who takes me by the hand and shows me who Father really is, opens the eyes of my understanding, shows me who I now am, shows me, Love in all places inside this world of the Holy Trinity. Do you see what I'm saying here? We've got to learn to live without fear of God. Because the brutal religion has made us think God is always someone to be feared. The Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. Let's sit down and talk. Father has loved you since before you were born. And and Jesus, the son embraced you and took hell into him and brings you into this beautiful place. You've got to learn to live and it's okay. You're not wrong. You're just in process. Um, The assurance that Jesus has of his place in this family is absolutely yours. Because as he is, so are you. And you're in him and he's in you in this family. So Jesus is absolutely assured of his father's love. And Jesus is absolutely assured he will never be rejected. And well, that's yours now. You've got to learn to live there. It's unearthly assurance of love's inclusion. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. We, we call it the witness of the spirit, but some of these young people don't really fully know what that means. We call it assurance, <clears throat> a boldness to look father in the face. In fact, to call him Abba, to call him dad, papa. Do, do, do you hear it now? He said to Paul there, Acts 26, I'm sending you. What am I sending you to do? To hang them over hell, to get a decision? No. He said, I'm sending you to open their eyes in order that they may turn from darkness. Once they see what darkness is, and once they see what light is, they turn. And that word turn is a word closely akin to the word metanoia. It means that mind is changed. Isn't an exchange of mind. I don't want to live here anymore no i'm not wanting not to live here because i'm afraid of punishment i don't want to live here because it's darkness and i didn't even know what darkness was before i turned to light from the dominion of satan i didn't realize i was under the dominion of satan but now i see it and god is not the god i thought he was and i run to him like a little child with my arms open and i He's given to me release of sin, and I see it, so I may take it as mine. And so the inheritance. (sighs) See, our blindness that we have is, how can I put it? We're, We're unable to see. We cannot see. See, when I say blindness, I'm not talking of the blindness that we as humans have with our eyes. I mean, a blind person in many respects can see more than I do because they use all their senses. They know there's another world out there and they're using all their senses to make contact with that world. The blindness I'm talking about is there's no consciousness of another world. This is such a profound darkness we didn't even know there was another world. We we think this darkness and the world we've invented inside of the darkness, that's it. Um we believe this is is the real. And so we're unconscious of the real. And and the scripture referred to it as the sleep of death, you know. So I've gotta be healed of that profound darkness. I've gotta have my eyes open to see this another world. And that God isn't the way I've been told and invented in this darkness. He's the God who is love, Father who loves me, Son who loved me, gave himself for me. And this spirit who is embracing me now and coaching me and teaching me, this is the world that is the real. And you say, there's a time when that happens. Sometimes it's in an instant, sometimes. But really, even when you look at when it happens in an instant, you'll recognize it's been going on for a long time. The Holy Spirit was at work in us um, long before we even knew there was a Holy Spirit. And he's okay with that because he loves you and doesn't need to be recognized. Um and, and and he brings us, and there's many times, seeings and disturbances within us that are bringing us to that, what we call a moment when we see. But once you see, of course, all your friends think you've gone insane because you're relating to a world that they can't see. And that's interesting um, because they really don't see and you do see and you don't only see but you're experiencing it but let me tell you what you say is the day you saw is really just the beginning of the introduction to the preface of the first volume in the first chapter um paul wrote let me quickly ephesians 1 now Ephesians, if we look at the letters of the New Testament, the Ephesians were pretty much leading the pack. You know, If you want to see believers who could understand the deepest things that Paul ever wrote, that was the Ephesians, right? Um, hmm. Paul wrote to those Ephesians and writes within this incredible letter explaining who we are. But he then, at the very beginning of the letter, he writes to those, I'm I'm trying to find a word, I would say mature believers. They're certainly on their way to mature. And he says, for this reason, I too, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, he said, I've heard of that. I have heard of what happens there. Your love for all the saints is working out in your life. I don't cease giving thanks for you, but I am making mention of you in my prayers. Okay, what's he going to pray for these mature believers? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I thought I knew him. Well, you do. You do know him, that's why I'm praying that you shall come to know him all the more. I am praying for you, Ephesian believers, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and a better way they will be flooded with light, as if all the football stadium lights were turned on in a moment. And he said, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know the word by experience personally. You may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. So please, 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 in this whole matter of seeing, what has been done and finished and therefore participating in that. Please, don't think you've arrived. Um, I have a great problem um, every time, you know, we make CDs or put it up on YouTube. I, within six weeks probably, I want to take it down and destroy it. Um, That's a bit much, but... I said, I've seen so much in the last six weeks. And it isn't that I said anything wrong. I still believe everything I said there, but it's been fleshed out so much. I just wanna stop all that, let's start again. And of course, I don't do that. The office won't let me, but um, it's a fact. I look back at what I saw In the 1970s, Richard, yeah. What did we both see back there in the 1970s? And everything I saw and taught in the 1970s, I still believe. But what I said in an hour in the 1970s would probably take me 10 hours now because I've seen so much, not that contradicts it, but just it's blossomed. I, I could almost say in the last six weeks, i it's odious to speak of me, i, I but I'm sure this is true of you. Um, some of the, the most magnificent times in my life is to sit on my porch and just have the Holy Spirit suddenly flashes of light within me that changes everything. You've seen what you've never seen before. But then you go back and realize, well, I did see it, but this is a, that's your life. It, it, it's its a terrifying thing to me when Christians say, well, I got it now. Huh, you know. And of course, and, and I'm not making fun of it, but people say, Well, I was saved in 1940. Hmm. And then, well, that's it, that's my testimony. So that was happened. No, my dear, dear friend, that's when the door opened and a ray of light shone into your darkness, and you thought you had the sun. No. What a life, what a life. Seven days a week of walking in the light, the Holy Spirit coaching you, loving you, gently leading you like a sheep, back home to pasture. Oh, he goes on and on and on, my eyes. Can, are your eyes opened yet to see the grandeur and the greatness and the majesty of Father and Son and Holy Spirit? I thought so in 1980, but I'm seeing it more every day. This... The Holy Spirit never quits because, we. he says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered into the heart of a human being, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit, which no one ever quotes that last part. No, that, that's it. He is taking us beyond the boundaries of my logic, He's taking me outside of everything I thought was, that's it. He takes me to the edge of everything I've experienced and then pushes me over the edge. And I find I'm flying. What can I say? This this is what we're in. Um, He has revealed to us. And, And this isn't, it's not gained by um, intellectual knowledge. I mean, there's the place for that. I I am a student of scripture, a student of scripture, yes. When I was 17, I memorized the New Testament, then went on to the old as I got older. Um, yes, I'm into that. Yeah, I'm into that. But whenever i studying, I have to start. And say, okay, Holy Spirit, this is going too far. I need you now to take me into this, that I might experience it and see it as you see it. Because otherwise you become, oh, so dead. Dead. This is life that I'm talking about. You see, they would say, well, you've got to read your Bible more, and pray more. Ah, Maybe. I would say... You, you've got to learn to open yourself to the Holy Spirit. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Sometimes I put out my hand and I say, take me by the hand. Lead, lead me, guide me where I've never been before. Take me, teach me, and in teaching me, let me become the teaching. Yeah, that, that, that's it. And, and then, then you'll read the scripture, not because you think it will bring you closer to God, because it won't, incidentally, it won't. You study the scriptures and Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures, you won't come to me. No, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit who throws his light. You begin to dance in the dance of God. So I'll go to the scripture, all right, but I'm going because I've discovered. It's because I've seen, I wanna know more. And then I say, Holy Spirit, throw light, show me more, show me more. And you pray, yes, because, to so pray without ceasing. there so a time when you're not praying. Um, but yes, I know what you mean. Get out your little grocery list and, and um, say your prayers. But that won't bring you closer to God. No. When, when the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, then you will converse with your lover. Then you will know what it is to be loved. Anyway, the time has gone and I've been keeping you very late. In days past, and so uh, we'll have to come back and do this i'm I'm, I'm nowhere in what I planned to say. I just took too much time on this, but I think it was necessary. We need to know the Holy Spirit is the grand finale of the finished work, and you're not going to know that finished work if you end with the resurrection, you know because that leaves you trying, but to see that he well here I go I'm going to start preaching again you got the message, and let's close it right there. Now, the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, indeed, open the eyes of your understanding, flood you with light, so that you may experientially know the hope to which you've been called, the exceeding greatness of his power, the resurrection power, that raised Jesus from the dead, at working your life today. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen.